Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome to another hour dedicated to the inquiry of what exactly enlightenment means and what it is to be enlightened. Indeed, an hour dedicated to learning something more about ourselves, a science of self-inquiry, an hour designed to help us go further inward and perhaps challenge some of those old ideas about the world we live in and the people we have become. This is an hour for the open-minded, for where our search might take us may provoke a level of insight that may just disturb our notion of what is real, what is tractable, what is consequential, and more. It is therefore an hour where we admit that our foregone conclusions could all be wrong, and in that way, truly open ourselves up to the plausibility of a new level of apprehension that in some way, somehow, may indeed lead to that elusive state known as enlightenment. All right, now, every week I read a few of your letters as our way of paying homage to the importance you play in helping us to shape our show. Last week, our show was all about the paperback release of my book, Mind Programming, and I thank all of you for going after your copy and helping make the book an international bestseller. Maria wrote, this book is truly amazing. I will buy the paperback just to show my support. Thanks, Maria. I truly do appreciate that. Terry wrote, this is a book everyone in America should read, and you can quote me on that. I believe I just did, Terry. Fernando wrote, I've already tested the CD Serenity, which comes attached to Taylor's Mind Programming book, and I had great results. Now I would like to experience more with other recordings. Well, you can do that, Fernando, by going to intertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com. We have many programs there that are yours for the downloading. Call it our pay-it-forward effort. We also have over 300 Intertalk Power recordings covering nearly every imaginable topic. You can check out hundreds and hundreds of first-hand reports about the programs while you're at the site and enjoy hours of online book and article reading. The site is truly a resource center, so remember, just go to intertalk.com. And thanks for your letter. Now, I hope I'm saying this right. Katya wrote, I used your program on my long-haul flight, and I quit smoking. Amazing. You know, if you fly Virgin Atlantic, you will find our Intertalk programs as one of your listening options. That's what Katya is talking about. So just a little plug for Virgin Atlantic, and a thank you for your letter, Katya. Isabi wrote, Eldon, I got your book, Choices and Illusions, after seeing you in Toronto. It is very well written. I'll have to read more from you. I started listening to you on Hay House as well. Spirit pointed me in the direction of your workshop, and now I know why. Blessings always. Well, thank you, Isabi. You just blessed me with your letter. Rosa wrote, Hi, Eldon. I just listened to your show on Hay House Radio for the first time. It is indeed provocative enlightenment. I like the way you and your wife are so humble and down-to-earth, so inspiring. Well, we thank you for that, Rosa. I try to be humble, but I'm not sure about Ravinder. What do you think, Rav? Humble? I'm humble. I yeah. am. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Kathy wrote, Thank you so much for your profound contribution to world peace, one soul at a time. How perfectly said, Kathy. One soul, not just one person at a time. Okay, that's all the time for our letters today, but I do invite you to opine by leaving comments on my website, by emailing me directly at eldon at intertalk.com or by joining me on Facebook. 
I do read all of your letters, including those that don't make it to our show, and they do impact our programming, so thank you. Now to today's show. As of 2005, there were 172,000 new books published each year in the United States. The number was growing, so it is estimated to be much higher today. Of these, many are self-help books. One estimate, low estimate, no doubt, by iVillage, states that more than 2,000 self-help books are published every year. Author Stephen Starker puts the whole matter this way, quote, The self-help book in America appears to occupy a social niche roughly on par with that of the legendary Oracle of Delphi, end quote. Now, what does that mean? Well, so so many books, so many new insights, so much new technology, the profound must have already been written. When then is enough enough? Will there ever be a point when everything that should be said has been said? The fact is, perhaps it already has been, both written and forgotten. I love reading the teachings of the past. They are often both wholly profound and elegantly simple. Sometimes they are just in your face obvious. And our guest today is here to share with us some of this ancient wisdom. He is a shaman of the Toltec tradition. For those of you that don't know, the Toltecs were an ancient group of scientists and artists. Indeed, the Aztec culture, which followed them, saw the Toltecs as their intellectual and cultural predecessors and described the Toltec culture as the epitome of civilization. Our guest was raised in a family of healers among Toltecs, but chose to attend medical school and become a surgeon. A near-death experience changed his life. In the Four Agreements, a New York Times bestseller for over seven years, author Don Miguel Ruiz showed us that personal freedom and true enlightenment come as a result of simple but profound truths, or ways of living, agreements, if you will, with ourselves. Four specific ones, and they are, first, be impeccable with your words. Second, don't take anything personally. Third, don't don't make assumptions. Fourth, always do your best. Now, we'll flesh that out as we go on the show today, but today we have a fifth agreement and a new book by that title. And And Don Miguel Ruiz is here to expound upon all of this and share his insights with us. You should know that he makes very few personal appearances these days, so we are truly honored to have him join us. He will be taking your calls during the show but only calls that have questions or insight with regard to his books. Please, no call seeking counseling advice. You can join us. Okay, let's welcome today's guest to Provocative Enlightenment. Welcome, Don Miguel Ruiz. Yes, hello. It's a great pleasure to be with you guys. It's an honor to be part of of your show that is really changing life around the world. Well, thank you very much, sir. It is indeed our honor. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is just a little aside. I met you very briefly in Spokane, Washington, many years ago. You were speaking at a Unity Church. I was. Uh, your book had just been released. I was very, very impressed. Uh, I, I have shared your materials with my young children. 
at a very early age. I, I do believe that you just have a very profound, very simple, and very elegant message uh, that tells it all. But before we get into that, please tell us about you and your early introduction to the Toltec tradition. Well, um, first of all, the word Toltec means artist. It's an Nahuatl uh, language, and the translation into English, of course, is artist. But in the translation all, are, all around the, the, the planet Earth, you know, you can show what we really are. Every single human is really an artist. We all are artists. Then our goal is to live our life as an artist, which is in constant creation, to start creating and sharing and giving and make our life extremely simple, extremely easy to be enjoyable. Then as an artist, we love beauty. We love just to enjoy. Then I can I can share with everybody that it is true that every human comes to this beautiful planet Earth with a mission. But that mission is the same for every human. And that mission is just to enjoy life. But that mission can be, can be expressed in billions of different directions. And it will be in whatever makes you happy, whatever makes your heart sing. Because we are here to enjoy life, to take care of ourselves, and to be as easy and simple as possible. You, you were raised in a family of healers with this rich tradition, um, and then you went off to medical school. You became a surgeon. Yes, it was, you know, uh, it was so easy to, to live with my family because in, in the way I learned, I learned that everything is possible. Everything we can want, it will come to us. We just need to search for what we like, that we can enjoy it. And one of the things that I really enjoy is to help other people, and that's the main reason why I decided to be a doctor and why to become a surgeon, because it's a way for me to enjoy what I'm doing. And yes, many people can think that I do that to, to help humanity, but it's not exactly true. I did that in order to enjoy myself, and the result is that whoever was around me, they get the benefit of whatever I do, whatever is my creation. Then we always do what we love to do, and by doing what we love, we really have impact on many other people, and they really enjoy what we do also. So even though it appears that perhaps there is a difference between uh, the way you were raised and, and the allopathic procedures of today, there really isn't. They're, in your mind, they're, they're totally integrated in your painting, in your, uh, you as an artist, in your uh, seeking of how you can assist others while giving pleasure to yourself. Do I understand that correctly? Yes, we can say that to be a medical doctor is to be a great artist. You know, the, the, the healing is one of the most beautiful arts. And in medicine, you can go completely many different directions. And just to, like I wish, we share all the time that practice made the master, you can master any of the directions of that art. Like you can be a cardiologist, you can be an endocrinologist, you can, you can be whatever it makes your heart 
thing. And just by doing that, many people have the benefit of that art because with that mastery, we really can give and, and enjoy. Then when I used to be a medical doctor, um, I was discovered also that going beyond that homeopathic medicine, I decided to go into the human mind because what I discovered at that time is that the, in, in the in the study of the mind, we just go for the very surface. We don't really go so deep to find out the simplicity of life, really. And the, what is, well, this is one of the most important things that is happening in the present time, because in the psychology point of view, we still believe in Freud, who lived more than like a hundred years ago, and the way that uh, society is right now, we really need to understand more about our own mind that is nothing but a virtual reality. But it's extremely important because now in this time that science and technology that changed so fast, you know, with the computers, with the Internet, whatever we say can be known around the world in just fractions of, 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 uh, of seconds, we can say. And news go all around. And, and with all those news, there's so many lies that go all around the world. Then it becomes almost, almost um, imperative, almost an emergency to work more with the truth and to let everybody know that what we really are, what we really want. Then the simplicity of the world is what really will make that to happen. To be impeccable with the world is becomes more and more important now especially because there's so many lies, and, and all those lies, it becomes into superstition, becomes into fanaticism, and we can see uh, all that world, that injustice, everything that exists in this beautiful planet that is just a result of believing in all those lies. You, you say in your book, uh, in fact, this is a place that I love to begin my own lectures. I mean, but you, you say, you'll know that you are totally free when you no longer have to be the you that you pretend to be. Elaborate on that for us, will you? Well, this is extremely easy because the only thing that you can be is you, even if you really don't know exactly what you are. Like if somebody asked me, okay, Miguel, what are you? If I use knowledge, it would be so easy to 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 give a, an answer to that. I can say, well, I am a human. I am a male. I am a doctor. I'm, I am uh, an author. If I want to go into a religious point of view, I will say, well, I am a soul. Uh, I am a spirit. If I want to go into science scientific point of view, I will say, well, I'm energy, I'm light. But if you see, we are only use words, but the truth is that I don't know what I am, but I am, and I'm alive, it's real. Then I have no idea what I am, but I know that I am. And you know, this is one of the biggest fears that humans have, the mm -hmm. fear of the unknown. Well, when you know that you are the unknown, then you don't need to be a 
great anymore because you are the unknown. And there's no words in order to really explain what we are. And this is extremely important because when we pretend to be what we are not, life becomes extremely difficult. We create an image of ourselves and we invest everything trying to be what we believe we are. And it's much easier to be yourself, whatever you are, than try to be anything else. Because this is the only thing that you really can be, whatever you are. And you will find out, after all of that, that it's not really important to know what we are. It's not important. It's not even uh, relative. You know, there's, there's nothing that we can do. We just are what we are, and we cannot change it. And this is the truth. Even that when I say truth, I'm using language. But the truth really exists. But as soon as I say it's the truth, it's no longer true. It's just an image of what is true. But what I can tell you is that the truth exists long before the creation of humanity and will exist long after the extinction of humanity, which means that the, the truth doesn't depend that anybody believe on it. It just exists and is eternal. Which, which, of course, brings us back to, you know, the first principle in your four agreements, be impeccable with your word, because I, I see and my work has demonstrated, my research has shown that most people, and by I say most people, almost everyone, um, has uh, an image of themselves that is false to fact, and they have created it, they have practiced it, they've taken it out of out of the media, they've... they've rehearsed sayings they, they've created bumper stickers and and in that sense they be they live in a in a state of self-alienation and then their language the way they talk to themselves which is a part of your your principle of being impeccable with your word reinforces this illusion so it, in your teaching how do you Break through that. How do you how do you get somebody to realize that it isn't just all about these nouns, as you say, I'm a doctor or or I'm a I'm a male or I'm a human, uh, but it's really about maybe the verb. I am an experience, and and I think of myself as an experience as opposed to a thing, and I change how how I interact with with the other. Uh, elements of my experience as a result. How do you how do you encourage people to do that? Well, the, the first step is always to have awareness, to be aware. Awareness is extremely important. And with awareness, we can see so easily that it's exactly how we use the word what makes us an artist, that makes us a creation. Because we use the word in order to create everything that we know. All the knowledge that we have in our mind is because we use the word to create it. Then that's what makes that um, that agreement the most important one to be impeccable with the word. And that means that we don't use the word against ourselves. We use the word in order to create a whole story. We create a whole reality with the world. Then 
everything that we can perceive, we put it in words and we understand the meaning of every single word. Then we can understand, we can have the awareness that we create the language that we speak. Every single letter, every single word, every single sentence, we create it. And of course, with a lot of help, but yes, we create it. Then we can see how the creation happening when we focus our attention in how our children are learning the language that we speak. It takes a long time for them to learn the language. It could be like a four, five, six, seven years of practice and practice and practice until, until finally all the language becomes automatic. We know that we have mastered the language, but something extraordinary happened in our brain, in our mind. That knowledge starts speaking with, we can say, we only can hear ourselves, but nobody else. Nobody else can hear what we are thinking. We call it thinking. And thinking is when we finally master or close to master an entire language. And it's the result of practicing and practicing and practicing. Then in our race right now, we have over, let's see, 30, 40, 50 years of practicing the language that everything, everything becomes so automatic. And this is the reality where we live. We created this, our creation. And that makes us artists. But when we reach certain point of awareness and we find out that we are the ones who create the language, we also will be aware that every single word, every single symbol is only truth because millions of us agree with the meaning of every single word. And we will find out that we only can think or in the language what we dominate, that we master. Let's say, for example, if tomorrow you wake up in the middle of Japan and you hear people speaking and you see all the graphics in, in the streets, for sure you will not understand a word. And you will see that they can understand each other very well. But there's millions of them who agree with the meaning of every symbol, of every sign, of every uh, everything that they know, that all the knowledge that they have is based in the language that they create, and they use the word in order to create that language. And the same is you, if you are in Italy, in, in um, Germany, in Spain, or any other country, who speak a completely different language, then you will be uh, you will be aware that there's millions of them who agree with the meaning of every symbol, every word, and that's why they understand each other. Then, when we come back to our place where everybody speaks the English, then we will be so easy for us to understand that everything that we know is only true because we. I agree with the meaning of every symbol. And we can see that our creation is just 
Perfect. All right. I'm going to have you hold that thought, uh, Miguel. <laughs> we'll pick it up when we come back. We've got a hard break coming up. Uh, you're listening to Provocative Enlightenment. My guest today is Don Miguel Ruiz, and we're discussing his book, The Fifth Agreement. We'll be right back after these words from our friends. Have you talked to yourself lately? What does that inner voice say? Are you constantly hearing negative feedback? Ready for a change? Inner Talk, Eldon Taylor's patented subliminal technology, can do just that. Change your inner self-talk. Turn off the negative by replacing it with positive affirmations. Inner Talk has been researched at universities such as Stanford and by governments around the world and has been proven effective at priming your self-talk. Armed with a new positive outlook, you'll find everything becomes easier. From losing weight to stop smoking, giving presentations to riding horses, learn new things to being a powerful salesperson. Choose your title for change today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com. Innertalk.com. Confusion, deception, manipulation, feeling a bit controlled, lost. Learn how you can take back control of your life through proven techniques in Eldon Taylor's revised edition of Choices and Illusions. This New York Times bestseller is a guidebook to your journey to self-actualization, filled with practical, real-life solutions backed by scientific studies and guaranteed to awaken your inner genie. Get your copy today from all bookstores. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're discussing five ideas, agreements that can change your life. The author of The Fifth Agreement, Don Miguel Ruiz, is here and ready to take your questions. That said, the question should be about his work. If you would like to know more about the five agreements or how to incorporate them into your life, call now. Okay, one more point of business. If you enjoy our show, please become a fan of Provocative Enlightenment on Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> Just search Provocative Enlightenment and join us there. All right, back to the show here. Before the break, we left off with the first uh, agreement. Be impeccable with your word. You know, these are five really important ways to live your life. And, and we could do at least five hours, an hour on each. Uh, but before we pick up and go to the next, we have callers on the line. So, Don Miguel, if you're up to it, let's uh, let's take a phone call or two. Okay. All right. On line one, we have Martha from Dallas, New Mexico. Martha, you're on the air with Don Miguel. You have a question. Well, I'm I'm honored, Don Miguel, to be on on the line with you and the ability to to you know to ask a question. I love the teachings. I read all of your books more than once, and I absolutely love it. Um, I'd like to ask you a question. Last couple of years, um, I experienced many deaths in the family, and uh, I'm still having a hard time with it, trying to figure out what I can learn from this experience. 
what would you say uh, from your perspective what one can learn uh, from an experience like that when, you know, someone dies who you love dearly? Oh, thank you for your question. I, I really like your question. You know, one of the things that I'm sharing with my apprentices and especially with my children is about death, about surrender to death. And what I let them know is that our death begins with the moment of our conception. That the, the matter, if you remember physics, cannot be moved unless a force moves it or cannot stop unless a force stops it. But by itself, matter cannot move. Then we can say that matter is always being dead. And it's alive because of force or beginning the movement, or ending the movement. And since our conception, our matter has been growing, multiplied, thanks to that force that we call life. We are alive, but we live in a physical body who will be died. Then any creation has a beginning and has an end, but the force who make possible that creation, it is eternal. It never ends. And it's something that I call the truth, and it's the unknown. Anyway, when we leave our physical body, our physical body will dissolve, but we are immortal. We don't die because we are that force. And by the action of that force, the body will grow, grow up, grow mature, and will grow old until finally matter cannot help us anymore because it's time for matter to recycle. Anyway, when we have this awareness, we can see that death is really a benediction because Life is creating all the time. Creation is happening right now, and right now we all, all also letting matter off. Then the beautiful part of that is that in the experience of life, we know the matter. We keep the images in our mind in the virtual reality that we create. And in that virtual reality, all those images will live until our virtual reality also disappears when our mind dissolves. And all the people that we love, even when they leave the physical body, they still live in our mind. But what is important for us is to have that awareness that yes, they already live, but they are alive in our mind. You know, there's something that it happened in 2002 when I had this major heart attack, this yeah. massive heart attack that I was nine, nine weeks in coma. My middle son, Don Jose, who is the, right, the one who wrote this peace agreement, really, 
He came to to see me in a hospital when I had that heart attack. And, and all the teachings that he had for me from all those years looked like I was going into the trash. Yeah. When he came to see me, he started crying right away. He said, Father, please don't die. Don't leave me alone. What am I going to do without you? Then with that force that I have left, I looked directly into his eyes and said, Jose, this is the way that you will celebrate the death of your father. Mm-hmm. Please get out of the room, compose yourself, and when you're ready, then come back because I have something important to teach you. But I want you to be yourself. I don't want to be that victim. Go out, fix yourself, and come back. Then he left out. And a few moments later, he came back and he was that big warrior that I trained for many years. He looked into my eyes and said, Father, I am really sorry. I understand your lesson. I can see that my selfishness, it was taken away the last moments of your life. And I'd like you to know that I honor you and I'm so happy to let you go. And it's okay with me because with my selfishness, I will, I will be use your debt in order for me to hurt myself. I don't know for how long, maybe forever. But now that I have this awareness, you can go because now I know that you live in me. And I will keep doing what you teach me because this is your legacy. Then I start giving him certain lessons how to how he can keep staying alive and enjoy your life. And I tell him, just make enjoy imagination, just think that you are the one who is dying or the one who is already dead, that you are in your coffin and all the people that you love they're crying because you're dead. And now that you are dead you have no pain. Everything is great, and you're so happy. And if you have the opportunity just to share a few words with everybody who is around you, what is what you will tell them? And then he said, well, what I would tell them is to stop crying, that they don't need to suffer, that that please don't use me in order to hurt themselves, mm-hmm. that whatever we did is completely accomplished they don't owe me anything, and I don't owe them anything. That they're still alive, and what I really want for all of you is just to enjoy life and let me go in peace. Mm-hmm. Don't be selfish, and don't use my death in order to hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. I was I a beautiful smile on my face when I see that, yes, he understood that big lesson. That's wonderful. Thank you for calling, Martha. Thank you, you have so a great much. Day. Thank you, Don Miguel. You're very welcome, honey. Let's go to line two. That uh, uh, on line two we have Maggie from Mission Viejo, uh, California. Maggie, you have a question for Don Miguel. Oh, hi! Thank you so much for taking my call. It's so great to hear you talking. Um, my question is is kind of broad, and I I hope it's appropriate. Um, I 
was with an undocumented Mexican man, and we had a baby, and he was stillborn, and and then the man was was deported, and um, he living with him and li- meeting his friends. I feel like I learned so much that I cannot articulate. I cannot put into words. But I wanted to ask you. It seems to me like undocumented Hispanics here in the U.S. have a human rights fight on their hands right now, maybe similar in some ways to the one African Americans had in the last century. And it seems to me that this must must also be a spiritual struggle. And it also seems to me that undocumented Mexicans in the U.S. live in a really unique psychic space, I hope that's the right words for that, that I almost never hear talked about. And and I've never, ever heard it talked about in a spiritual context. So I'm wondering if you can speak to this at all. I know that's a lot to to speak to. Oh, no, it's okay, honey. You know, this has happened in this beautiful planet for thousands of years all around the world and all those different cultures. And this is the result for all, all of humans' beliefs in life. You know, we, we believe that or we know that there is a conflict in the human mind, and for a long, long time we always believe that it's between good and evil. Well, good and evil is just the result of the real conflict, the real conflict is between the truth and lies. Believing in truth, it takes you to be the authentic self, what you really are. It takes you to be gentle, love, full of justice, etc., etc. Believing in lies, it takes you for what we know as evil, and it's also different degrees of evil. If we can understand that, we can understand also what is war, injustice, violence, all, all those negative things that we say is negative. And this happens all around the world in all the different times. And what is happening this time is the result of all those lies, all the superstition, all that... Um, um, we can say uh, it's, it's the result of believing in all of that. We can see what happened in Germany 60 years ago, what happened in all around the world. It's, it's, it's just because all that fanaticism. Then we believe that we are dividing countries, but it's all only agreement. We we have all those beliefs when the truth is that our our home is the earth, and the truth is that we have the right to live in any place, but we are millions of humans, and every human is part of the, the humanity. Humanity is only one living being, but it's made by millions of humans, male and female. Then what we see is the result of believing in life that it becomes rules, becomes laws, and we follow those laws, then it's really not about good or bad or right or wrong. It's just the way it is. 
something because we don't like it, we try to change it. And if we see in that uh, in all the time that we live in this planet Earth, it becomes better and better. Just imagine that you wake up, let's see, tomorrow, in uh, 100 years that are going to pass in England in order that you can understand the language. And by knowing what you know right now, you can see what they believe at that time, all the superstitions, all the fanaticism that they live in that time. And you will find out that will be impossible for you to live in that place, knowing what you know right now, that almost immediately you will want to tell everybody what is right or wrong, what is good, etc., etc. But you will see that they will be so scared of the way of you think, the way you behave, and very soon you will be trapped by the Inquisition. And they will accuse you to be a witch, to be etc., and they will kill you because they will be afraid of you. Well, right now we live in a very similar circumstances, but our superstition and our fanaticism is a little different, but we live in all the fanaticism that society creates. And it's the creation of humanity, that, that particular society, and it's what is happening right now. But with awareness, we may change that if we want to change it or not. Then I know that it looks like injustice, etc., etc. There is, is the way how humanity it is evolving, and we are going into the right direction. But it will take time, and it, what the most important part is that it takes our awareness to see what we believe or not believe. I think it's the time to stop all the fanaticism and to stop all the superstition and return to the truth. I think this is the only way that we can change the legacy that we receive from our parents to what we're going to leave to our children and our grandchildren. Because the legacy will be what we really believe. And what we believe is only truth for us and for nobody else. Then I hope that they can help you to to understand what is happening and for you to take the right action in order to re, to get a reunion with the men that you love. Okay. Oh, all right, Maggie, thank, thank you. you very much for sure. your call. Sure, thank you. Bye-bye. Right, Don, Miguel, before we take another call, just building on what you said, and, you know, we are provocative around here, you state in your book that all the conflict that exists in humanity is due to the absence of respect. Yes. Some might say that the conflict arises because of differences in opinion about what respect is. Take, for example, this last phone call. Yeah. Is there an issue of respect when someone disobeys American law and illegally enters the country? Or is it an issue of respect when those laws are enforced and someone is extradited from the country? How do you resolve this conflict? And I do agree with our caller that political matters, um, um, they exist as a part of our spiritual evolution. So if you disagree with that one, take that one on too, please. Well, I never say I agree or disagree. Okay. I was talking about how humanity is evolving, 
and I was saying that uh, all that is happening because it needs in many ways to create all those rules. It is necessary to create all those laws. And, of course, we need police, we need armies, and we need all of that. And the reason is so simple, because hardly anybody respects anybody else. If we don't have armies, if we don't have police, and we allow everybody just to do what they believe is the right thing to do, then the chaos will be even worse. Then the result of all those rules and all those laws is the, that intelligent people who have more awareness, or at least they try to have more awareness, they gather together. They see the problem. They see all those different points of view, and they go for the best solution that they have at that time. But let's see if uh, if you go like a 60 years ago in Germany, when just for you to be a Jew will be the biggest thing. And just because all the opinion in Germany say that you don't have the right to be a human. And the police support that, the army support that, and they create a concentration camp and they put you there. Then, in that point of view of Germany, will be uh, justify everything that they do or not to do. But this is an agreement that most of the people in Germany did, and become maybe that comes from only one strong will that was out of Hitler. It doesn't mean he's right or wrong or good or bad. It's just what they agree. And that, and the reaction that that created, it was enormous. It was like war, war. And the the result of that war, it could be either direction. It's not really that important which direction, but the conflict will be solved in one way or another. And if it doesn't resolve the conflict, then another will will come back, and another, and another, and another. And it's how humanity is being evolving. Then I really don't want to say this is right, this is wrong. You go against the country, etc., etc. No, no. The country have the reason why they do what they do, and every four years may change or not change, and it will be different in every state, in every con, in, in this country. But what I can tell you that in the United States, this is the place where we have more freedom to be what we are, to express what we express. In other countries, perhaps we don't have this freedom. And, you know, this is great to be in the United States just because of that, because you can express what you really are, what you really want. And, that's, and we have to respect. It doesn't mean that they agree or not agree. I let's we've got just under three minutes, so let's take a quick call here from Claire on line three. She's been waiting fifteen minutes, uh, and uh, you're on the air, Claire. What is your question? Well, thank you very much. I'm so happy to hear the show. I've read several of 
uh, Don Miguel's book, I Love the Master You Love. Um, in the first agreement about impeccability with your word, it says you take responsibility for your actions, but you do not judge or blame yourself. And since I'm working very hard and have been for quite some time on self-judgment, how do I do that? How do I take responsibility but not judge myself? And Don Miguel, you've got one minute to answer that. <laughs> okay, well, the, uh, let's, let's make it past then. then. Let's see that uh, you learn about uh, using the opinions of everybody around you, and with, uh, just by following those opinions, uh, you, can, you can feel guilty, you can be ashamed, or whatever, but it's, it's what you learn, really. When you finally have the awareness uh, that this is the result of what you learn, Mm-hmm. and that you have the awareness that you create your own life, you become responsible of your, of, of every decision that you made. And if you have enough awareness, you will decide not to judge yourself any longer because you will find out that there was somebody else's opinion and that you agree with that and you believe in that. Oh, okay. then, but be impeccable with the word, you will not use the word against yourself. And by judging yourself, you're using the word against yourself. That if you don't like the way that you create your own reality, because you are the creator, you can change it. And the way to change it is by change the main character of your story. And if you change the main character of your story, just like magic, everything around you will change. Well, I hope that unfortunately we are out of time. Just out of time. Listen, if you want to know more about Don Miguel Ruiz, you have to get his book, The Fifth Agreement. It's a Hay House production, or Hay House publication, I should say. It's a marvelous book. You can go to his website, www.miguel, M-I-G-U-E-L, Ruiz, R-U-I-Z, one word, dot com. Uh, You know, we're just plain out of time, and I want to thank all of you for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed our show and will join us again next week, same time and same place. Next week, my guest is Michael Neal, and we'll be discussing the 10 secrets to transform anyone's life. Okay? Until next time, then, remember, believing in yourself always matters.